Hey, again, so glad that you've joined with us for our online on-demand worship experience here at Rockbridge Community Church, where we're one church in multiple locations. As we're all gathered around our devices and and in our homes or wherever and however you're watching, I'd love to just pray for us all. Join with me. God, thank you for every person that's watching, listening, tuning in right now. I pray, God, you give us all a spirit of expectancy that we realize we are not here by accident. And God, I pray you position our minds and our hearts to receive what you have for us today. In the name of your son, we pray. Amen. And amen. Hey, there's a question that I know I'm asking and I know a lot of you are asking. And that question is this, when can we get back to normal? And whatever normal looks like or whatever normal you're longing for, whether it's going to your favorite restaurant or being able to come physically back to a church service or something with your kids and their activities. I, I don't know what that means for you, but I think there's all of us who are saying, hey, I wish we could get back to kind of pre-COVID-19 normality. And, and when's that going to happen and, and can we rush it? But, but I want us to press in and ask this question. Do we think that our normal is God's normal? And then even more, is our normal, whatever, however we define that, is our normal God's best for us? And so we've been journeying the past several weeks through Romans 8, which is one of the most powerful, significant passages in the entire Bible. There's a reason a lot of people call it the apex of Christianity, the Mount Everest of the Christian faith. And as we close out this series called Game Changer, let's get a comprehensive total view and hear Romans 8 read in its entirety. Let's climb the summit of Mount Everest to see what normal is for God's people. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus, because the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do since it was weakened by the flesh, God did. He condemned sin in the flesh by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh as a sin offering. In order that the law's requirements would be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit have their minds set on the things of the spirit. Now the mindset of the flesh is death, but the mindset of the spirit is life and peace. The mindset of the flesh is hostile to God because it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it is unable to do so. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God lives in you. If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. Now, if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, then he who raised Christ from the dead will also bring your mortal bodies to life through his Spirit who lives in you. So then, brothers and sisters, we are not obligated to the flesh to live according to the flesh, because if you live according to the flesh, you are going to die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. 
For all those led by God's Spirit are God's sons. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Instead, you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children. And if children also heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with Him so that we may also be glorified with Him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed to us For the creation eagerly waits with anticipation for God's sons to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in the hope that the creation itself will also be set free from the bondage to decay into the glorious freedom of God's children. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together with labor pains until now. And not only that, but we ourselves who have the Spirit as the first fruits, we also groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. Now in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is not hope, because who hopes for what he sees? Now if we hope for what we do not see, we wait eagerly for it with patience. In the same way, the Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses because we do not know what to pray for as we should. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with inexpressible groanings. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to His purpose. For those He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, so that He would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those He predestined, He also called. And those He called, He also justified. And those He justified, He also glorified. What then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He did not even spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him grant us everything? Who can bring an accusation against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is the one who died, but even more has been raised. He also is at the right hand of God and intercedes for us. Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Can affliction or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, because of you, we are being put to death all day long. We are counted as sheep to be slaughtered. No! In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor death, or any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord.
so powerful, so amazing, so beautiful. And what if we just accepted that that was the definition of normal for the Christ follower? That was God's vision. That was, that's God's view. That's God's offer. That's God's hope. That's what God's been working for, for all of us to embrace, to live in the reality of Romans chapter 8. One thing you, you notice, it, it, just as you heard that reading, is how many times the word Spirit or the Holy Spirit is mentioned. In Romans 1 through 7, the Holy Spirit or Spirit is mentioned five times. In Romans 9 through 16, the Holy Spirit or Spirit is mentioned eight times, but it's, it's mentioned, He's mentioned 21 times in Romans 8. And I think that opens a pathway for us to understand this vision of God and what God's normal is for us. And it would be this, that true normal, the true normal Christian life is supernatural from first to last. It is God initiated. It is God given. It is God created. It is God coming to live and reside inside soul to soul with us. It's supernatural from first to last. Now, that, that doesn't mean that Christians are anti-science. I mean, we, what's true is true, and we believe God's the author of all truth. But it does mean that normal Christianity is not the same thing as most people in the world, and maybe even you watching, perceive it to be. It it means God is a rescuer and God is a redeemer. And it means it's true that, yes, God will give us more than we can handle in our natural self. It does mean that God will ask us to do the impossible according to our natural. It does mean that God's purpose for us cannot be accomplished by us without Him and without His help and without His power and without His presence. It means that Christianity is more than just going to church. It's more than just believing certain doctrines. It's more than a day of the week. It's more than, hey, good God, good people who go to a good place. Which brings us to this question. If my Christianity or my view of Christianity is not supernatural, what is it? And I think there's been an, an invasion, uh, an unholy invasion to rob us from this true significance, this Romans 8 apex of what real, true, supernatural Christianity is. And I'm going to label it and call it cultural Christianity. Cultural Christianity. And I would ask us all, is my Christianity more cultural or supernatural? Let me just, I wrote some things down I want to share with you of what it might mean or what it might be to just, if you're a cultural Christian or if your understanding of Christianity is cultural versus Romans 8 supernatural. Cultural Christians often believe and say the right things, but without experiencing the living Christ or following him in obedience. Cultural Christianity is often seen as self-help until it isn't. So we want God's help when we need it, but when God asks us to do something that we might perceive as unhelpful to us and our agenda, then suddenly we don't want to take it. Cultural Christianity might rely on a ritual or an activity or a religious checklist for salvation and assurance more than relying on the living presence of God and the accomplishment of the gospel of Jesus Christ, crucified, buried, raised, and exalted. Cultural Christianity might admire Jesus, but only really seeks him in 911 type moments. And then once normalcy returns, well, Jesus needs to go back to the fire station. Cultural Christianity may be people who are basically good people in the eyes of others, 
but there's no surrender in their heart, no affection in their heart to who King Jesus is. And cultural Christianity may involve intellectual agreement or I guess it's true, I suppose it's true, but without any obedience or adoration going to the living God. So is your Christianity more cultural or supernatural? Now, now there's some of you listening and you've rejected Christianity or are rejecting or are considering it, but you're not sure. And here's a question I would ask you is if you've rejected Christianity, is it possible that you are rejecting cultural Christians and not true Christianity? So I would like for us to just ask ourselves and, and, and come to an understanding of what does it look like to enjoy, to receive, to experience this apex of Christianity, this supernatural Mount Everest, Romans 8 vision that God has for us. Now, before we get into those, uh, the understanding that we must arrive at, there's two, pre- there's two preconditions that we must be open and we must be empty. And we can't be open, but not empty. And we can't be empty, but not open. So you can imagine your mind, your heart, sort of like this jar. And this is your life. And, and I think all of us, you know, we have a view and it's our world here. And it's me, myself and I and our deal and our agenda. And, and, and then what happens for us to fully embrace Romans 8, supernatural Christianity is we have to be open. But because God wants to fill us with himself and with his love, we also have to be empty. We have to be willing to to be sort of set apart and and be willing to be examined and be willing to say, this, my view, my understanding, my little world is incompatible with the lordship uh, of Jesus and the, the things that he wants to put in me and do through me. Now, sometimes we're empty, but maybe in our pride or our blindedness, we're not open. So, so I just want to ask us all, would we be open and also empty that our God might be able to give us this supernatural life, this amazing grace, and this forever love? So we need to come to five essential understandings that are all painted for us beautifully in this Romans 8 vision. Now, listen, these understandings, you'll never arrive at them perfectly. In fact, I think we arrive at them initially and then increasingly. There are things in this list that in my life and my walk with Jesus Christ and and being led by his spirit, I am in a period where I am just increasing in my understanding of one of these five essentials. And I pray and I hope that we're all open. And for some of you, today might be an initial aha moment. For today, some of you, this might be a moment where your understanding increases. And as your understanding increases, the presence, the love, and the supernatural grace and and presence of the Holy Spirit would fill you more than it is currently. So the first understanding that's essential, and it's really the starting point for all of Christianity, is to come to this understanding that we can't, but God can, and that God has, and that God will. If you read those first four verses of Romans 8, you'll see all the things you and I can't do that God has to do to redeem us and to save us. And we have to come to a place in our lives that we, where we admit that we have an absolutely unsolvable problem. That there is no natural solution to this. 
And we have to come to the place where, hey, look, if I want God's miraculous, if I want God's supernatural, then I have to realize I'm in a place where those things are necessary and needed. We love to be our own savior. We love to solve our own problems. We love to have the steering wheel of our life. That's our natural position. But if we're going to go from cultural and natural Christianity to supernatural Christianity, we have to admit, God, I have an unsolvable problem. And I think one of the ways God opens us up and empties us is to bring us to this recognition that fullness, this life, this Romans 8 life that he has for us, that when I say fullness, I mean the supernatural, spirit-filled life. That's not a reward for my goodness. It's actually God's gift for my defeat. That I have come to the place where I realize I cannot accomplish my purpose. I cannot get to my destiny. I cannot be good enough. I can't save myself. And we just admit and say, God, I can't, but I see that in your son Christ and by your spirit, you can, you have, and you will. The second essential understanding is to recognize that Christianity is an eternal relationship. In Romans 8, we see such relational terms as adoption, becoming a son or a daughter or a child of God. We see the, the phrase going or walking by the Spirit or being led by the Spirit or having our mind set on the things of the Spirit. And the Spirit is a person with a capital P. Christ is, is the living God. God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And all of that is a relationship. And we need to come to understand that Christianity is not a one-time prayer. It's not an arrangement. It's not a belief system. It is knowing the supernatural God. John 17, 3 says it this way, this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one that you have sent. Now that verse and, and Romans 8 has amazing implications. That before Christianity is behavioral or ritual, it is relational. That before Christianity has anything to do with you and I changing our behavior or adopting some ritual or routine, it is about entering into a relationship. And that's so powerful and so beautiful and so amazing. In fact, it's the restoration of our most important relationship, our relationship with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And here's what I know. Anytime I enter into a love-based relationship, anytime, whether it's with my wife, my kids, or my dog, anytime I enter into a love-based relationship, love always results in new behaviors, new routines, and new rituals that are part of sustaining and strengthening that love-based relationship. So baptism, prayer, church, Bible study, engaging with God, changing our behavior, all comes because we are in a love-based relationship with the God who has accomplished all of these things for us and offers the Romans 8 apex life to us. This is why the most important question you and I will ever have to answer is not what is your name and what do you do for a living? It's not, tell me your story, what's going on, what happened in your past, or how was your day? It's not, why are you here? It's not, what's your purpose? The most important question every human being has to answer is this question. Who is Jesus to me? Who is Jesus to me? 
Jesus even said that in, in Matthew 16. Who is Jesus to me? And because as we see in Scripture, as we see in Romans 8, as we see in His death, burial, resurrection, and exaltation, Christ is Lord. Christ is King. Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. Christ is the only way for which we can be saved, for which we cannot experience condemnation. Romans 8.1 Christ is the way for us to be adopted and become a son or daughter. Christ is the answer to the question, does God love me? Does God care? Is God good? In Christ that answer is an emphatic yes and once we see and answer and understand truly who Jesus is the third essential understanding is to come to this realization there's no gray areas there's no there are no gray matters no gray situations in this Romans 8 Mount Everest vision that God has for us see I think a lot of times in cultural Christianity or nominal Christianity we like to live with gray and here's what I mean by gray. Oh, there's nothing really that wrong with it. Or oh, that's no big deal. Or yeah, Jesus is my savior, but he's not really my Lord because he doesn't really have full access to my life. And so we see gray. And what we do with gray, what we do with gray is we use it to cover up guilt and conviction. We, we do, what we do with gray is use it to make us feel better about ourselves. Have you ever heard someone talk about, you know, Christians who are really, really passionate or religious people that are like, oh, they're so spiritual and I'm just sort of average or, and, you know, so you kind of got like pagans or atheists and you got sort of, well, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm a pretty okay person. I'm a Christian, but man, they're really spiritual. Romans 8 doesn't, doesn't give us that grayness. Romans 8 is black or white. In fact, Romans 8 is filled with either ors. It's either I'm in the flesh, led by the flesh, or I'm in the spirit and have the mind of the spirit being led by the spirit. It's either I am a slave to sin and death, or I am an adopted son or daughter of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. It's either I'm putting sin to death or, or not, or, or, or I'm, I'm going to go on a path of death or I'm on a path of life. And it's either or clarity, no black or no white, which means this, part of God's vision, all born of love, is we have to take sin seriously and deal with sin thoroughly. Romans 8 calls us to wage an all-out war on our sin habits, our sin patterns. There is no negotiating with sin, no compromising with sin. It is to put sin to death by the Spirit because sin robs us from the life God has for us. And sin, sin, listen, listen, listen. Sin that we're called to make war against Sin hurts the one who loves us most and who loves us best. Sin put Jesus on the cross in my place and in your place. So we got to go to all out war on it, which means we have to be people of repentance. Repentance is I recognize and confess and admit that I have done this wrong, thought this wrong, and I now agree with God and I'm willing to change my behavior and move back into a relationship, a fellowship with Him. See, for most people, cultural Christians, nominal Christians, repentance is more episodic, like, oh, I had a bad day, I need to ask forgiveness, versus a pervasive mentality that I need to just get empty before God and invite His cleansing and admit my, my faults and not not just the quote-unquote big ones, but everything is a sin 
and is offensive to God. Everything is a sin that is hurtful to my fellow uh, brother or sister or, or the human race. And it's just incredible, the scope of God's lordship. It's incredible that there's no gray and that God invites us and, and is willing to f- into this relationship, but then he's also willing to fight with us to put our sins to death for his glory, for his love to fully flow and to fully fill us and for us to experience the Romans 8, normal, supernatural Christian life. The fourth essential understanding is this, that the absolute best God can give us is himself. God cannot give you anything better than himself. Therefore, the best is here because Jesus has come and the spirit has been given. And then there's more to come as we move toward forever with him. The best that God can give is himself. Now, now we pause right there. Do you really believe that? Ha- have we come to a, an, at least an initial and an increasing understanding that the best God can give you is himself? Not a better job, not a better marriage, not a better medical report, but himself. That's the picture. That's the Mount Everest vision. That's the supernatural understanding. And that means that the future is always brighter. And that means that the best is always yet to come. And and so for a Christ follower to live in a spirit of discontentment or complaining would be like a billionaire going to Walmart and complaining about their low prices. Because what more can God do than give us himself? So I would encourage us then, as we come to this understanding, we don't have to worry about the worst that can happen here on this earth in this life when we already have the best there is and the best there ever will be, which is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Imagine your life right now. How would you live if you realized that nothing you fear could ever ever have the last word in your life that nothing you fear could ever have the last word in your life how would you live thankful bold expectant hopeful courageous see here's the reality we get this in romans 2 6 and 7 it says this he that's god raised us up with him We were dead, he raised us up. We were dead, he made us alive with Jesus. Seated us with him in the heavens in Christ Jesus. That's our ultimate position. That's the best is yet to come. So that in the coming ages of of eternity, he, God, might display the immeasurable riches of his grace through his kindness, his grace to us in Christ Jesus. Now here's what that practically means, okay? It will take forever for us to measure and fully enjoy God's grace to us in his, in his Son. It will take us forever to fully measure and fully enjoy the relationship that is possible because of the work and the love of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. And then finally, the fifth understanding of the supernatural life is this. There is absolutely nothing more that God can do to show 
as he loves us. There is nothing more that God can do to show us he loves us. What, what did we read? In all these things that we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. What did we read? That nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. How could Paul say this? Because he realized this truth in Romans 5, 8, that God proves his own love for us. God has proven it and he shows it to us through the gospel, through the word of God, by the spirit of God. God proves his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, that means undeserving, dead, helpless, hopeless, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You see, most of us, because we're not at the supernatural here, most of us, you know what, we, we live as if we always need convincing and reconvincing of God's love every time something bad happens to us or happens around us. And every time we, we see something bad in the news or every time something bad happens or every time something doesn't go our way, man, God, do you really love me? For, for the Romans 8 vision, how did, Paul, how did Paul say this? What then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who is against us? And it's like Paul saying, God can't do any more to convince me that he's for me, he's with me, and that he loves me forever, and nothing can separate me from that love. Nothing more he can do. And so I'm going to live settled that God loves me. I'm going to face tomorrow with it a settled fact that God loves me. And it's a supernatural love. Yeah, now, now we need reminding of that love. That's why we need the word. That's why we got to preach the gospel to ourselves all the time. Sing the gospel, preach the gospel, hear the gospel. That's why we have communion and the Lord's Supper. That's why we have the, the ritual, the symbol of baptism. All of those are just reminders of God's love. With the realization, the understanding there's really nothing more God can do to prove his love for me. Now, as, as you've heard these five essential understandings and this invitation to the supernatural life, I, I, I want to ask that maybe you find yourself now open and empty and ready to take a step toward this supernatural life. So I just want to show you some components of maybe what would become a prayer, maybe something that, is, uh, that captures what's going on in your, in your life. So if you look at this, uh, this prayer with me, that maybe what you're, what's going on in your spirit and your heart, and this is God working in you. It's not me. Uh, this is God. And, and you're saying, God, I, I want to be made alive. And I realize without you, without Jesus I'm, I'm dead. I'm condemned. I can't do anything in my natural state. And, and, and God, by your spirit, I want you to enter my life. I want Jesus to take the steering wheel of my life. He took my sins. I want him to take my very life. And I want forever with you. Forever in a relationship. Forever in eternity. And I want forever to start right now. If, if that sort of captured what's going on in your heart of hearts and in your mind, you have just crossed over from natural to supernatural. You have just moved from being a slave to being a son or being a daughter. The Holy Spirit has just come into your life. Jesus has become your King and Savior. 
In a minute, I'll put a way that you can let us know that you have prayed that, meant that. That's what's going on in your life. And we, we, we will, you can't do Christianity alone. And so we'd love to talk to you, pray with you, and help you take steps to deepen and further in your understanding and deepen and further your walk with him. Now, there's another group of you. And, and, and this may capture more of your life as you've listened here today. That you're open and empty. And your, your, your spirit and your mind is, is more like, God, I have wandered away. I've drifted from you. Uh, I, I am a culture. I, 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 I'm, I'm sort of nominal, cold, cultural. But I know today I need more of you than I have right now. So, so God, please just come in and find me empty. Find me in repentance. Find me open to more of you however in you, you want to you give me more of you, I just want more of you. So God, would you fill me again to follow you? And, and if that captures where you are, then, then we want to come alongside you and support you and help you. Maybe you need Bible study. Maybe you just need a mentor. Maybe you just need someone to talk to, pray with, and, and share this incredible thing that's going on supernaturally inside of you. So, so whichever prayer grabbed your attention or captured your heart or reflected what God's doing in you right now, would you just text Jesus to that number, 888-744-0761? Somebody will follow up with you. Somebody will touch base with you, okay? You can use the, the, some, of the, some of our uh, on-demand and online Facebook or on, on Rockbridge Online. There's a chat section or a comment section. Somebody, if you're watching this live, at uh, one of our scheduled service times, somebody will be happy to talk to you right now. But all of you can text or you can go to our website at robbers.cc slash next steps and somebody will be in touch with you because you have just made or just moved toward this grand, amazing vision of the supernatural but the normal Christian life as portrayed and offered to us in Christ by the Spirit and by the Father heart of God that Romans 8 communicates and reveals to us. And so what's next is that you live every day and forever with holy, supernatural anticipation. Holy, supernatural anticipation. Let's pray together. God, for everyone watching, I pray in Jesus' name and by the presence of your Spirit that they have received exactly what you wanted for them to receive. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.